was 23. That's crazy. Okay, so I'm signing, at 23 years old, I'm signing a contract that's supposed to take me into 37. You're signing a contract for more than half your life. And, and if you look at the shelf life of most artists, it's four to, so they're basically anticipating your entire arc. That's so crazy. So you don't have any leverage, you know, other than that they want to sign you, you sign the deal, and then it becomes this weird dance of like, can I sustain success? Yeah. If you get success and you have leverage, they'll get out of your way because you're making them a lot of money. But the minute you're not making them as much money, then they step in and they start playing these Jedi mind tricks on you. We know what to do. You know, the public's going to forget about you. I mean, I've heard all these things. Like, you know, this kind of weird, like, yeah, you're in the room, but, you know, we're the arbiter of whether you can stay in the room. That's the weird position that record companies had for a long time that they don't seem to have anymore. I would I would argue against that because they, they still do. Well, they've moved to a different set of circumstances, and I'm not as conversant as I as I once was. But one thing they do with certain younger artists, but I think particularly more in the pop realm, is they do these 360 deals where it's like right. if you get a perfume deal, if you yeah. like your whole world, they we, own you. We own a piece of your whole world. And fame is such a great quotient in American life now that you can see where kids would trade fame and give and be willing to give away like the, the, the profit part. Well, they'll take a risk at the long-term ownership. Right. So let me jump in there. So if you actually survive the cut, let's say, let's call it phase one, you're successful, you're a name, and now you're in a place to either renegotiate or your deal is up or whatever. I once had a conversation with a very powerful music executive and I said, and I was friends with the guy, so I was like, give me the insider psychology here. Now that I know the game that you run, what do you tell people like me when they get here? And he says, oh, it's just, there's always a price. So they know that even if you get through the matrix of the whole thing and get out the other side, that there's just a dollar amount that will buy you back in. Whoa. They're not worried that you'll go independent. And in fact, if you look at a lot of the machinations of the music business over the last 20 years, especially with the rise of the internet, it's to keep people in the system. Yeah. They don't want true independence. Right, but it look, seems no, like... Look, look, I'll give you... Look no further than the deals that the record labels cut with the streaming services. They got into ownership equity deals with the streaming services and in, a, in, a, in, a, in an arrangement for them to have an equity position, they agreed to very low rates for the artist's music. So, so when why. you when you listen to Bob Dylan's song on Spotify, Bob Dylan's not getting a lot of money for that. But as Spotify and the other streaming services raise up in their equity position, the labels benefit. So the labels pimped out their own artist to take a greater equity position in a rising business. It's like right there is what I want to talk to my listeners about. And it's about your leverage. Every artist coming in, before you ever load your music onto a streaming platform, you have the option to go get what is called a CD. Now with this CD, you can put your music directly to the CD and you can go hand to hand with the consumer. This is the true definition of independence this is what the labels took away by bringing in a streaming service and for artists like myself you wouldn't have to go look for a record label to give you a deal to get your music to what you back then deemed as 
a successful artist has their music. So by through these different distribution companies, distro kids, your tune cores, they are distributing the music to your Spotify's, your Apple, your Deezers, all your different paying streaming sites. But what this does is now allows the what they call the system to keep track of this artist. This artist will never get to its true potential because it's kind of being shielded. If that same artist who's just, say, getting a, a million streams from 100,000 people every month decide I'm not going to load my next album to a streaming platform. I'm going to load my next album onto a digital CD. Well, I'm going to load into a CD, and I'm going to now go hand-to-hand with the consumers. I'm going to set up pop-up shots to where the consumers can come and purchase my music hand-to-hand. You would then be cutting out, in a sense, the labels because now these streaming services are not getting no percentage of your money. It's kind of funny to me to the fact that when you think about it, what have the music business going on to do to even cancel that out? Well, if you look back into, I say, 2015, every new model age car after 2015, most of them don't come with a CD player. So you're going to your aux cord and now you're going to these streaming services. So that's just one thing I want you guys to think about. Are we truly independent with the record labels running part of streaming now? Should we go back to CDs? But if you go back to CDs, how many of your fans do you miss out on because they don't have a CD player? That's the question I want to ask you guys today. Think long. I am Keandre, CEO of Our Side Only Marketing. I will have a great day. You will have a great day. We will be great. Thank you.